Welcome. This is the Life Habits Podcast Series, and my name is Carl Vradenberg. This is the podcast series that uh, helps you learn new habits to optimize your life and stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 10, uh, celebrating the 10th anniversary today, and the topic for today is effective public speaking one of the most important topics in most people's lives, certainly in terms of the fear that many people have with regard to public speaking of various kinds. And so I think it's an important topic to address what might be some best practices to help you to be more effective at public speaking. Now I'd like to start off with some quotes, uh, some interesting from a variety of different perspectives. I want to start off with a quote by Jerry Seinfeld. According to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. Death is number two. Does that sound right? This means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. Quote number two is from Roscoe Drummond, who says, What this country needs is less public speaking and more private thinking. Dale Carnegie says, There are always three speeches for every one you actually gave. The one you practiced, the one you gave, and the one you wish you gave. Mark Twain says, it usually takes me more than three weeks to prepare a good impromptu speech. Franklin D. Roosevelt says, be sincere, be brief, and be seated. Some interesting perspectives from some people that have done some significant public speaking. Now, public speaking takes a variety of different forms, and I'd like to really cover uh, or subsume all of them uh, in this session. So public speaking can be of the type of a large group sort of in-person presentation. So you're doing this big presentation perhaps at work or maybe uh, to a parents group or to a, a variety of other settings. But it's an instance where you are essentially standing in front of a large group and giving a sort of more formal uh, presentation. Another uh, form of that often in uh, work settings these days is conference call presentations. And then another type, and there are a variety of them, but I just wanted to cover basically the three major types uh, are not the formal presentation, not a conference call presentation, but more of an informal speaking up, that is, uh, in uh, some meeting or gathering of some site, uh, sort. It might even just be a social uh, gathering. Um, getting yourself to, you know, ask a question if you're reluctant to do that. Also answering, you know, questions if uh, they were to come up and raising uh, issues that you have on your mind. What's interesting about public speaking is that um, people who are very good at it tend to have a lot of influence regardless of whether we're talking, as I said earlier, about sort of a, a company setting with regard to a meeting 
or uh, let's say a, a parents group at a school uh, the person that is the most effective at expressing his or her views in public uh, tends to be the person that has a lot of the influence and as a result a real focus on uh, public speaking and being effective at it is extremely important. There are, I've always felt that there are people in the audience uh, typically who may well have a whole lot better ideas and more insight uh, and better suggestions than some of the people that are you know out there speaking uh, but because they have a reluctance or they don't have or they haven't developed the skills or the habits to uh, express themselves in public and haven't uh, overcome their fears for doing so uh, aren't effective at communicating their ideas and as a result those gatherings don't get the benefit of the best ideas from each of the members of the uh, people that are gathered there together so so there's a variety of settings there's a uh, uh, an overall sense that uh, effectiveness uh, whether uh, for business or for um, more social uh, ob objectives um, it, you're more effective if you're able to effectively uh, communicate in public so as I've always uh, done or often done in these sessions I've tried to gather together at least 10 insights uh, for developing good habits that are based on my own experience, on what I've read, what I've observed, and I've tried to distill those into 10 items that I think if you address these and on a regular basis think through these, you'll become a much, much better public speaker. So number one is deciding whether you want to do this presentation or this uh, speaking in public. Uh, it, it, it's not a foregone conclusion that you should be doing a presentation or doing something verbally. Uh, there are other alternatives uh, to it and sometimes there are more effective ways of, of communicating even though I just said that uh, um, somebody that is a, an effective public speaker tends to have more influence. There are also other ways to do it like um, you know writing an email, uh, writing a um, um, uh, a blog, you know, entry, um, a variety of other ways. In particular, these days, with a lot of the so-called Web 2.0 uh, uh, sort of capabilities for being able to express your your views. Um, the other one is is in terms of whether uh, to do it, uh, to take into consideration the rest of the context in terms of is this the right time to do this, etc. So don't always take it as a given that you need to be doing a um, presentation in public um, when it may not be the most effective. Also don't shy away from it though if it really is the most effective way of communicating and achieving what it is that you have the objective to achieve. So think first about whether you'd like to uh, do it or whether it makes the most sense and then secondly consider why you're doing it and what you really want to say. What are your, your objectives in actually um, presenting this? So if it's a formal presentation, you know, that takes the form of um, what fundamental um, messages you would like to uh, bring across. Uh, some of the time people go and do presentations and they put this whole structure together and they figure they've, there's a formula to this stuff. 
and they haven't done the necessary just stepping back and saying what what do, would I like to have different about um, the state that the people that I'm going to be presenting to uh, and their what's in their minds before and after I do my presentation what kind of a change do I want to affect what kind of ideas do I want to get across <clears throat> and what really fundamentally do I want to achieve with doing this presentation. We often do many, many, many presentations and it's often not clear why it is that we're doing them. For all of them, step back, think of the context of why you're really doing this and fundamentally what it is that you uh, want to, uh, to say to achieve the objective that you have in doing this, uh, this presentation. The uh, third one is understanding who your audience is. And this, again, is a common, common mistake. Somebody will just get up, start presenting. The context won't be uh, right for the presentation, the format, the language, the, um, uh, the communication mechanism. It's, again, fundamentally understanding it, who it is that you're presenting to, and then uh, the number two item that I said earlier, you know, why and what you really want to uh, say to them is absolutely critical. You might also have, again, in a business setting, a a standard presenta presentation, let's say, that you or somebody else has developed um, that you are asked to present. And uh, oftentimes you don't consider, well, what audience was that presentation made for in the first place? And uh, and you just go ahead and give that presentation anyway. Uh, there's a uh, great benefit in actually, even when you have a standard presentation like that, to step back and say, ah, Given the kind of audience I have now in this particular setting that I'm going to do this presentation to, uh, I'd like to change the format. I'd like to make it a little more informal. I'd like to address the particular bias maybe that this particular audience uh, has that I'm present presenting to. Factor that into your presentation as well. It might also be you know, the, the choice of uh, um, language uh, that you use. If you're, uh, you know, dealing with the, uh, uh, presenting people to people that are very different from your own, for example, for, from you yourself, uh, you may want to, you know, choose the language a little differently. If you're presenting to um, a, uh, a very young, you know, audience, let's say, uh, say you're coming and doing a presentation to your child's class, and let's say it's a, uh, at school and it's, a, it's like an elementary uh, classroom, uh, you, you want to change your, your focus and your, the language you use, etc. So uh, those are the extremes, but in general you really should be thinking about who your audience is and again um, why you're doing it and what you want to present. You might want to also think about you know where you'd like to do this as well and this, this comes up um, not so much in the actual formal uh, presentation but also decisions about whether you and if you have the option of considering whether you can do something in person as a presentation or whether you need to be doing it as a conference call uh, presentation, uh, very, very different uh, characteristics. If, if it's the first time you're presenting to um, the people that uh, you're being asked to present to, um, if at all possible, if you can do it in person the first time, 
that's uh, extremely beneficial in my experience. Uh, if, an, on the other hand, you're just giving an update on some work that have already already been done and you already know these uh, people quite well, and there's really nothing particularly contentious uh, in what you're uh, pr presenting, then a conference call presentation is fine. Realize that you don't have as many channels of communication available to you when you do a conference call presentation because you, they can't see you, they can't see your your facial expressions, and very importantly, you can't see theirs either. Uh, you can be presenting something that completely is not making a mark and not having the desired effect, and you, you often don't know if you don't have the visual reinforcement uh, available uh, to you as you would with a an in-person uh, presentation. So we often don't have the choice uh, with, um, you know, uh, financial constraints and uh, the difficulty of travel uh, but it's a case where again you want to wherever possible factor in that if this is uh, very important and very uh, sensitive or uh, it's a presentation to people you don't know uh, that well uh, try to see if you can get more channels of communication or um, for example the visual channel uh, of, of, of seeing uh, facial expressions. There's a bunch of um, uh, technology directions that are happening now that uh, are available too and that is to obviously do screen sharing or presentation sharing as in a webcast. Um, there is also an increasing use and I think we're just on the cusp of also doing a lot of over the web um, uh, you know video uh, communication as well uh, where you would see the people you're presenting to and they would see you as well the sort of the talking head type of uh, shot so there again that's not perfectly in line with the benefits of a face-to-face -face meeting but that's actually getting very close and my own experience is that that can be uh, very effective at also uh, trying to get close to that notion of the of the in-person meeting. Uh, other situations where you're not doing a formal presentation, you know, but where you're, um, for example, uh, um, considering uh, bringing something up, you know, in a meeting. Uh, like, let's say it's the uh, to use the, uh, the the non-work one. Let's say it's a, a parent-teacher type of. Um, meeting uh, and you're choosing you know whether you want to uh, uh, bring something up uh, or it's or if it's just a uh, in a, a work meeting also where a bunch of people sitting around a, a table let's say the where you want to speak up is actually really important too and that is there's some research that was done some years ago about the powerful positions around a table and here you have a situation where the um the head of the table is the most powerful in general the 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 position at the table that has the most eyeballs uh, uh staring at it tends to be the most powerful got to realize too that it can also be the most stressful in the sense that it's uh, uh, an instance where you're getting um, all those eyeballs on you as well. But if you really want to be effective at everything you do say and that you want to get the undivided attention of everybody in the room, that head of the table position is most uh, beneficial or, or powerful. Another one is the center position on any of the other sides, if, it, if there are sides to the table the corner positions are the least powerful and uh, obviously uh, positions around the table if there's like two rungs of or two rows of seats uh, um, uh, coming out from the the, the table uh, those are are less effective uh, uh, as well and people often 
that are uh, reluctant to uh, speak up in public uh, will often choose those positions and then when they do choose to raise an issue or ask a question then they're more stressed because they uh, are in a less powerful uh, position and therefore have to even have more effective uh, public speaking skills to be able to uh, get their point across. Whereas if they actually were to, and if you were to choose one of the more powerful uh, positions in terms of location, then when you do get the attention, you can then, uh, when you are effectively speaking, you're going to have much more impact uh, when you uh, do so. Uh, so the whole notion of where uh, you present is really important. The other the other thing that I would uh, suggest as well that uh, I found extremely important and uh, somebody told me many years ago and that is to uh, get comfortable with. In order to get your... Everybody has some level of anxiety, some level of, of stress when you're going to do a presentation or if you're going to be asking a question, if you're doing something uh, public, uh, in public. And, I mean, people get better at it. I do a lot of... Uh, uh, presentations in, in public and I'm f uh, very comfortable with it now but people also argue that and, and actors that uh, uh, do acting on Broadway for example will also talk about that if you don't have some level of anxiety you're also not likely going to be doing a really good job you need to have some level of of, um, of being up for the for the presentation or whatever uh, in order to actually do your best uh, now you don't want to be overly stimulated though and very 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 nervous because then you'll do a less than optimal job but one of the ways to actually you know lower if you are really kind of um, getting very stressed uh, one of the ways to um, relax a little and 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 and, and get uh, to be uh, less uh, less stressed and and uh, again lower that arousal level a little there's a couple of things that um, I found really really useful so one of them is if you're going to be presenting to let's say a group of people and let's say there's a big uh, audience um, in uh, in let's say a, a theater style uh, a seating arrangement and let's say you're going to be a speaker and you normally uh, you're, as a speaker you're sitting out in the audience or whatever and then you go up to the stage and then you go to present uh, when you do that you typically uh, stand up turn around and then bang for the first time really you see all these eyeballs staring out at you that can be highly stressful even for for uh, somebody that's very familiar and used to doing presentations the best practice kind of habit that I've developed and, and have seen others uh, uh, do as well is that um, when there are other questions, for example, in the audience before, with the speakers before you're about to uh, present, turn around, actually look directly at the whole audience, get get familiar with that feel so that when you go to, set, uh, to, to stand up to do your presentation, it's not the first time you see that overall, you know, audience for the first time. So you, you really want to, you know, desensitize yourself a little uh, to the, um, the image of this whole uh, audience. And the best way to do that is to turn around and uh, take in uh, the rest of that overall scene like I say, so when you when you get up, you're much more comfortable. There are other techniques. Just if you're going to be presenting to somebody really important, and you know that person, let's say even an individual uh, session, is uh, somebody that 
uh, you find intimidating. Uh, another kind of very kind of silly uh, but very effective mechanism as well is uh, that I've heard people uh, use is the imagine you know that person in their underwear. <laughs> Basically, try to desensitize the the intimidation of this particularly powerful, let's say, person that you need to be presenting to. So there's a variety of techniques to kind of lower your your stress level, but then realize too that once you're 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 getting yourself comfortable with doing that, uh, then to also uh, realize that. Um, uh, when you go to present, it's important to realize where you should be doing that presentation fr from. Uh, that and the point of power is the most effective, you know, place to to be. And the other one is just to do it a lot, right? Uh, the more experience you get at it, the more your arousal level, you know, goes down, uh, and the better you get at it as well. Okay, number five is be clear, concise, and organized. And the overall suggestion, that again, that I've uh, learned some years ago, is that you've got this great desire to just pack in all kinds of material. But the suggestion is to focus on no more than three major messages in your presentation. doesn't mean that that's the only thing that you ever present. It's just you start off with, these are the objectives of this presentation. This is what I'm going to be presenting to you. This, this, this then go through the, the, the process of presenting uh, those uh, ideas in whatever form they take and at the end of the presentation come back to it again and reinforce. I said that I was going to be talking about this, this, this and I'd like to just reinforce that uh, these are the main messages that I'd like you to take away you know, from this. Really, really, really important. There's a lot, lot, lot of material that people typically want to present in presentations and uh, they tend to uh, try to cover too much, uh, and they don't get back to the point of these are the fundamental messages, because most people will not remember everything that you presented. They will remember if you reinforce that for them to say, here are three things I'd like you to take away you know, from this, and reinforce that throughout the presentation as well. Number six is speak more slowly and louder than you think you should. Most people, when they get into a public speaking situation, especially where in situations where they're a little bit uncomfortable, will tend to speak much, much quicker than they normally do, and quieter as well. The worst sort of experience from an audience member point of view is for stuff to just be flying along and that, that it's not articulated clearly and not loudly, so somebody's not projecting, right? So um, uh, I did a bunch of singing training years ago, and so what you uh, and th uh, those those techniques of uh, the singer uh, apply equally well to the presenter. And so what you want to be doing here is taking a really nice deep breath and a deep breath right from your diaphragm that's down you know in your gut. Uh, breathe in de uh, deeply, blow out very 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 slowly, and you can do this actually quite. Uh, uh, unobtrusively, you want to blow, blow, blow. You want to do the the, um, the the blowing out of your breath. You want that to take a lot longer than the breathing in, because that ki kicks in the parasympathetic nervous system, which actually tends to uh, make you more relaxed. And then you want to take a breath again and do your presentation, but make sure that you're going at a pace that's slower than what you would normally think you should be doing and enunciating more clearly 
and more loud, uh, loudly than you think you would as well. And as a result, you'll be able to be projecting what it is that you're uh, presenting more effectively. And uh, there's nothing worse than going through a, a presentations, flying a, your way through it, and uh, uh, too quickly and, and too quietly, and nobody gets any of it. Even if you were to do the reinforcement, the, the stuff that I just talked about, it would come back to the, the three main messages and all that. If you're not using your voice effectively, which is essentially the only major mechanism that you, you can use in this kind of uh, public uh, communication, then uh, then you're not going to be effective. So you, you want to make sure that you speak more slowly and articulate more clearly and be uh, uh, have a higher volume than you normally think that you should. Number seven is to prepare visuals to guide and reinforce what you want to say. And very importantly, do not read the words on the slides. This again is a and a hotly debated topic and people have preferences of how much you know visual material to provide in terms of whether you show pictures or graphs uh, or whether you put a lot of words into your charts but fundamentally they should be that is the slide should be there to reinforce and guide what it is that you're going to be presenting and they should reinforce for the audience. So th th they're, they serve your needs typically, and that is they organize where you are in the presentation, right? There are, they're your cues as the presenter, but they are also the um, reinforcement, the visual reinforcement for what it is that you're talking about. You got to think a bunch about this. Uh, a lot of people will just put lots and lots of, of, of uh, words on a chart and then read those words there's no less effective a presentation than that one right you can also <coughs> create all kinds of you know visuals that are visually stunning and pictures and stuff and and cartoons and and while that's more engaging you also can tend to get people distracted by too much of that material as well so you really want to make sure that the stuff that you're putting in any presentation slides if you ch choose to use them uh, that doesn't take away from your presentation, doesn't uh, distract, but yet reinforces the major messages that you want to convey and that you are not uh, being distracted essentially by them by using them, for example, as a, scrut a, a, a crutch of um, trying to just uh, uh, look at and read the charts uh, as well and the words on them. Again, people that are less effective at and, and less experienced at public speaking uh, will tend to use that as a crutch and uh, try not to do that. Try to have a few words on the chart that uh, will be the reminder of what uh, topics you're, you're going to cover, but try to step back and um, more comfortably uh, present uh, your story by just using those as cues and not, you know, as the script, uh, as it were. So again, really important here. And the other, the other point is that uh, think about whether you actually want to have slides for it as well. I've seen presenters in the past sort of uh, step away from this expectation that you've always got some, you know, PowerPoint deck that you're presenting. And again, this is both in, in you know, a, a business setting as well as, let's say, the, the, the school parent-teacher uh, uh, group. Um, you know, step back and think, uh, do I really need the charts, you know, in this? Maybe what would be most effective is for me to 
you know, work unplugged, so to speak, and just express my views very clearly and very effectively um, without any charts. Do it entirely with your, your voice. You also have a much better chance of actually being directly connected uh, to your audience uh, as well. So think about what you'd like to have to reinforce what it is that you are presenting. Choose whether you want to have uh, uh, slides, for example, uh, and whether you, if you are going to have them, uh, try to get the right balance between sort of visual representation that, that reinforces and is engaging that's the other uh, benefit of it, that, that uh, if you do have a long presentation, let's say there is some dry material, it is good to keep the audience engaged by having some very good uh, effective slide material. But make sure that it doesn't actually take away from the uh, presentation itself, but reinforces your major messages as well. Remember as well that a lot of the time uh, people will um, take away messages more effectively if they had it visually reinforced as well. Okay, so while there are benefits, as I said before, about not using any charts and really just being really focused uh, on the words that you present, uh, it o often is uh, beneficial to have reinforcement with some visuals because the visuals will further reinforce even in the recall, the memory recall for uh, what it is that, you're, that you presented if uh, somebody is thinking about it later and they, oh yeah, they can visualize the chart and they can remember what it is that you uh, presented about it as well. Number eight is stay connected with the audience and ask them questions and comments. There's a mentor that I had for some years that was just absolutely phenomenal at this. Would do, you know, a presentation and on a regular basis would say things like, uh, and it would always be in a form that was appropriate for the audience. You know, does that make sense? Does that, does that work with you? Everybody, you know, see what I'm, I'm trying to get at? Asking that kind of a, a question um, does two things. One is if you aren't actually connecting, somebody actually is gonna gonna say, "Well, no, I, I had a question about this." It's gonna prompt some question, uh, and if you do it uh, uh, various points during the presentation, you'll also more likely uh, be able to correct any any uh, uh, misunderstandings that have that are happening, and maybe you're not being effective that day at communicating, or or that you haven't prepared the material to be directly linked to you know where this particular audience is today uh, the, you can you know fine-tune that by getting you know that kind of connectedness and that kind of um, you know feedback from the uh, from the audience uh, as well uh, and if you do it in that way that's the, the one objective then is to, to do that is to, to truly find out you know where where they're at but the other side benefit of that is you you really are um, bringing the audience in together with you so it's not us and them. It's not you, you know, doing your presentation for 20 minutes and then setting, uh, sitting down and all you did was deliver, right? Uh, and you might do a, a question and answer at the end, but, you know, most of the time you're just delivering. With, when you do one of these, you know, checks through the presentation where you're saying things like, you know, does this make sense? Does, this, does everybody understand this? Or do you agree with what I'm, what I'm saying? You're also, by everybody, let's say, saying, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You're actually get some, getting some validation. You're getting some additional, you know, buy-in from the audience and and doing this as well. So it's it's really effective uh, if a a large uh, uh, presentation kind of setting, you know, as as well as even a, in a in a one-on-one uh, kind of session uh, as well. Uh, something I w would highly recommend that you uh, practice at and and try to uh, acquire as a as a regular method for um, for communicating. Number nine is, again, reinforce the key messages and the follow-on actions 
required that in, in the wrap-up. So don't just do your last presentation slide, let's say, or if you're just presenting, you know, a bunch of ideas, even if you're doing them just verbally in whatever kind of setting, at a school setting or, or a work setting. Um, and then, you know, just go sit down. You want to, again, wrap it up, right? So you want to go reinforce the key three or so uh, key messages and also address this question of um, do you want them to do something? Do you want the audience to do something based on what it is that you just presented? Do you want to articulate that um, you're going to be doing something? Okay, I've presented this stuff to you. We still have these things to do, and we're going to do this, and we're going to come back to you, you know, in another uh, month, and we'd love to give you an update on where we're at on it. Um, whatever the the action is that you really would like to make sure happens, whether it's the audience that needs to do it, whether it's you needs to, uh, needs to do it, or both, uh, you really should be wrapping up and thinking about every every presentation, some conclusion of it, and sort of the next steps. What do you expect to happen, right? Um, if it's even a matter of you want them to think about this more, you know, you want to come back and reread it or you have some other material you want to point them to uh, for further information. Think about what it is that they should have, um, you know, taken away from this session, sort of the three messages that we uh, talked about before, you know, as well as some other very concrete, I'd like you to do this or this is the plan or we're going to be going doing this, some, some direct uh, follow on uh, there as well. Number 10 is uh, ask for feedback from your peers. If there are uh, recordings of uh, what it is that you've been presenting, listen to you, the recordings and plan on how to improve and practice. The other thing about all of this is that nobody uh, that is really, really good at doing this stuff, this presenting in public in a variety of settings, nobody is really effective, you know, typically um, was born with that, you know, that, that, uh, that they didn't need to hone some skills or be more effective at it. You know, think of any politician, think of any uh, senior business leader, think of, of some uh, uh, lead educators, uh, somebody that's really effective, you know, in, in the uh, uh, sort of parent-teacher kind of environment, anybody that's really effective, you know, in any number of places where there's a lot of public, public speaking, uh, those people practiced and they got feedback from people that tr they trust to uh, learn how to improve what it is that they uh, uh, do and how to, do be, to be more effective about, at it. You can also be your own mentor, and that is, uh, even if things aren't recorded from what you present, you can uh, go and record it sometime yourself. Listen to yourself. It's hard the first time <laughs> that you do that. You think, oh, don't like that I'm doing that. But it's that exact experience that you want to actually work on. So you want to listen to yourself and say, ah, be somewhat, somewhat critical and say, okay, what I really think I need to do is slow down. Or I'm really focused on saying fewer ums in the work that I'm doing. I want to stop using the same kind of phrase. I want to be, you know, more more articulate when it comes to this aspect. Or in my dealing with questions and answers, I'd like to, you know, practice um, uh, reiterating the question first. That that, by the way, is a is a really good practice too. That when you in 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 any kind of situation when you get asked a question, often. Uh, it's effective to report, repeat the question for the purposes of the audience to listen to it as well. What's really effective about doing that is you're reinforcing to the person asking the question that you understood them and you heard them. 
and also it's a good way to figure out whether, the, whether you did in fact uh, uh, get the question right and they can correct it before you even answer it if you repeat the question. But also it gives you time to think <laughs> while you're repeating the question which doesn't take a lot of brain power you can be planning on what your answer is going to be as well and you'll notice really really effective public speakers will do that as well. But it gets back to the whole point that you really have to see this as a lifelong journey to improve our ability to speak and then speak in public. Uh, I've focused a lot on it myself as well and have done some work and continue to do work of listening to even these podcasts and trying to make them more effective for you so that I can focus on making sure that I go at a pace that's appropriate, that I try to avoid the ums, and that I can communicate in as effective a fashion as I can so that you can glean the benefits of the insights and information that I might have uh, gathered together uh, for you, but to be able to actually deliver it effectively as well. Because in this environment, of one that we're in right now, it really is my communicating with my speech, with the ways that I formulate my words that then you know goes into your ears and into your brain and the most effective that I can be at that uh, the better that uh, I can get that objective across of actually trying to impart the lessons that I've learned and the habits that I've found really effective um, to you as well. So you really need to uh, look at this as a, as a lifelong effort and that no matter whether you're really quite good, good at this already uh, or if you're really just uh, reluctant to ever speak you know, in public, you want to sort of tailor this uh, for yourself. But fundamentally, you need to make sure that you focus on improving in this, this area. And it's also one that you can't avoid or you really shouldn't avoid. This is one of these cases where people that are not good at public speaking in any kind of a situation really aren't contributing effectively uh, what they have to contribute to the people around them, the community and the and the organization that they're with, right? So it really is important that you not just have, you know, the other skills, the writing skills and the, the other ways of communicating, but also the verbal, the uh, and speaking in public verbal types of skills as well. Now, I hope this was beneficial to you this is uh, an area that there have been lots of uh, discussion that's really imp an important one and it's also one that's often very difficult pe for people as well. I'd like to encourage you to provide uh, ratings and also comments in uh, the relevant sections of the podbean.com that is the lifehabits.podbean.com website. This uh, podcast is also now available in iTunes, so you can just search for it in the iTunes store. Of course, it, even though it's in the store, it's free, of course, uh, but you can search for it in there as well. You can also subscribe directly uh, in there, so if you want to go get it directly in your normal uh, iTunes and have it directly uh, loaded onto your uh, iPod, you can now do that as well, and I ask that uh, any, of you, any of you who feel that uh, you'd like to, I'd love to, for you to uh, to provide ratings and commenting in the uh, iTunes, um, uh, you know, system as well as in the on the Podbean uh, site uh, as well. And um, please do send me email too at lifehabits at gmail dot com 
for any feedback you have, but also any suggestions that you have for topics for uh, dealing with in these uh, sessions. We're now at uh, session number 10, as I mentioned off the top, and I've tried for the first 10 to basically cover major sort of topics um, that cover, you know, the waterfront with regard to uh, a variety of very large sort of topics uh, intend for the next uh, uh, numbers of installments to be much more focused and probably a little bit shorter too on specific uh, issues and specific problems and specific uh, habits uh, to develop as well. So I, I very much look forward to any uh, thoughts and suggestions uh, you may have as to what things you'd like to have addressed here as well. And again, you can do that by sending an email to lifehabits, as one word, at gmail.com. Now, just before we finish up, we normally also uh, suggest that you go through the 10 items that we talked about in the session today and think of one or two of them in this next week so the way to really get going is not to think about this theoretically and not to simply assume that you're going to be doing this sometime in the future yeah that was an interesting there's some interesting ideas there you really want to now get to choosing one of these and actually doing it whether it's taking a particular item about speaking more slowly and more loudly let's say in um, the uh, presentation that you're going to be doing tomorrow, uh, or if it's a matter of doing the checking with the audience type thing, um, if let's say you're going to, I keep on using those two examples, but uh, if you're going to some peer, a parent teacher uh, uh, meeting or something like that, that may not be you know work related, then uh, you can also uh, practice that. The uh, you know, am I making sense? Does this does this make make sense? Uh, that kind of connectedness as well. Choose what whatever items we have in the whole list of ten here today, but get moving on it and really get practicing it. And then after you've done it, reflect on the experience that you've had with it as well, so that you can continue to improve in this area that is so so important in our lives as human beings in connecting with one another publicly by speaking. So that's it for this installment. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye for now.